0: who don't know me, my name is Cheryl, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I have just spent my August in Spain, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you as a church um, for all your support and all your prayers during my pilgrimage on the Camino. Church, you are there with me walking in one way or the other. Now, the Camino makes its ways through the mountains, ranges of Spain, and There are some days that you span between 200 and 1,000-meter difference between where you start and where you finish. Uh, Pilgrims say every day you face a mountain. And I was taking it very metaphorically until the first day I realized they were actually telling the truth. So as I began my walk, I came to a very steep hill. And it's a well-worn path, and you have to choose your footing very carefully. Um, But along the way, I saw an orange butterfly and I thought of Dean, my husband, because he wanted to make sure that we did not kill the milkweed in our garden um, because of the monarch butterflies, because they actually lay eggs on those leaves and we are helping to sustain their, their atmosphere and, you know, so they don't go extinct. So I thought of him and I thought he must have prayed for me. Well... Just a few minutes later, another butterfly floated by, and this one was a white one, and I thought of my friend Ann Karen because probably she was just getting up. There's a six-hour time difference. She was probably getting up for a boot camp, and I thought she probably just prayed for me as well. Well, over the next couple minutes, I saw another butterfly and another butterfly and another and another and another, and in that moment, I heard God say, hey, these are the prayers of your people. These are the people at your church who are praying for you for this journey. Now over the next hour, I actually lost count around a hundred butterflies. So thank you, church. Each day God would bring more butterflies, and sometimes they would come with a name or come with like a prayer request, like and I would pray back. Uh, one of those names that came before me was the name of Linda Erickson, who we are really sad that she passed away this week. Uh, she was a really big prayer partner for me and has been, had been praying for me over my whole in, time in ministry. So we need to continue to pray for the Stinnett family and for the Conforti family during their time of loss. But when you see these butterflies, for me... It just made God's presence really super personal and, and um, obvious, um, and it helped shape my pilgrimage. Now, last week, Pastor Van began our new sermon series, Double Trouble, so what I'm about to read to you probably sounds familiar, especially if you are writing out James on cards. But I have to go back to what he started uh, so that it laid the foundation for the verses that we'll look at today, nine through 12. So please stand with me as I read. Brothers, when you find yourself tumbling into various trials and tribulations, learn to look at it with complete joy, because you know that when your faith is put to the test, what comes out is patience. What's more, you must let patience have its complete effect so that you may be complete and whole, not falling short in anything. If any one of you falls short in wisdom, they should ask God for it, and it will be given to them. God, after all, gives generously and ungrudgingly to all people, but they should ask in faith with no doubts. A person who doubts is like a wave of the sea, which when the wind blows and tosses about, someone like that should not suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord since they are double-minded and unstable in everything they do. Let the brother of limited means take pride in his high position, and the wealthy brother take pride that they are brought down low, because the wealthy will disappear like the wildflower. You see, the wealthy will be like the grass when the sun rises with its scorching heat. It withers the grass so that its flower droops, and all its fine appearance comes to nothing. That's what it will be like when the wealthy wither away in the midst of their busy lives. Blessed is the man who patiently endures testing. When he has passed the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Now, just for some background, uh, the Camino is the name for a network of routes that thousands of people walk uh, each year over the past 1,100 years in order to reach the Cathedral of St. James. Santiago de Capostela. Their pilgrims come to the, this cathedral to celebrate. Here I am celebrating uh, me reaching the cathedral. They also celebrate with a pilgrim's mass and they visit the tomb of St. John the Apostle. Now, the story goes that James, not the James of the book that we're reading, that's probably the half-brother of Jesus who wrote this book, but this is another James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John, one of the 12 disciples. Now, the story goes that he was sent to Spain to preach the gospel into Spain, and he eventually returned to Jerusalem, was martyred and beheaded in the year 44 AD. Well, the the sort of legend or story grew up that his followers brought him back to Spain to bury him there. And uh, in the year 814, a shepherd found the tomb and the bones, and they assumed it was St. James, and they built a church. And then later, everything sort of built up around it. And so that was how the Camino was born. The Camino is walked for various different reasons. Back then, it was for forgiveness of sins. You could sort of walk off your, your trials and your tribulations and you would receive the forgiveness of sins. But now people walk for many different reasons. Some, it's a very physical challenge. For others, it's to heal from the past, from, to leave a, a life behind. But for many, it's still a search for something greater, a deeper understanding of God or of the God they may not yet know. The Camino means the way. And every day, pilgrims greet each other with a sort of blessing. Buen Camino, have a good walk, or I hope you find your way. When you are walking for six to eight hours, you tend to be in your head a lot. And so Buen Camino just reminds you of having a good walk. But when you're walking, you have to make sure you're very present to that around you, present to your feet, to your body, how you feel, present to the terrain, present and get out of the way of the cows that join you on the path, present to the arrows or the shells that point the way, and to the tripping hazards along the way. Being present is key. Here, I wasn't present and I fell on my face. Now... While on my first Camino brought butterflies, my first day of the Camino brought butterflies, my second day brought the sense of God's presence even more clear. The day began at 5 a.m. and it was misting, and uh, but within a half an hour, it was raining and the wind was blowing like crazy. And the only light I had was the headlamp on my head. And you have to make sure you Keep the right pace. You don't want to go too fast. You don't want to go too slow because this was going to be my longest and steepest climb up and also one of the steepest climbs down. So as I walked, I heard God say, why don't you breathe this way? Jesus, your presence sustains me. It will set your pace. It will help you be present to yourself and to me. Jesus your presence sustains me. So I breathed in Jesus, exhale, your breathed in um, presence, exhale, sustain me. Jesus, your presence sustains me. Say it with me. Jesus, your presence sustains me. Now remember that because I'll return back to it throughout the sermon. James writes, let the brother of limited means take pride in his high position and the wealthy brother take pride that they are brought low. Now here, James writes limited means for those in limited means. And those were really people who didn't have enough income or ability to actually have food or transportation or have their medical needs met or have a roof over their head. It also meant those who had limited power like children and women, especially in the first century. So when James writes this, the question is, why and how would they wanna take pride in that? After all, they were facing starvation and exposure and oppression and a lack of healthcare. These were their trials and their tribulations because death loomed over them daily. Now, even James and most of the disciples came from a family business, and so they wouldn't even have considered themselves of limited means. And so for James, wealthy or the rich was everyone else that didn't fit into that category. It's sort of a shocking plot twist as you're reading, because you're trying to find yourself in one category, only to find yourself in this other category. And once you understand that James is actually speaking to the leaders of the church, to the business people, the men and women, those who are making, even eking out a decent living, and those who are not in danger of like sort of dying every day from exposure or starvation, you realize that's how he's categorizing the rich. And again, that means that when we read James, you may find yourself with the least in the limited means, but most of us will find ourselves in that category, the rich. Proverbs 18, 11 says, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Now, wealth, whether you think of super wealth or just an average middle wealth, it acts as a high wall of safety. The rich, meaning anybody, again, who don't, doesn't fall into that limited means category, have enough to keep death out of their view, right? They can keep up with busy schedules. They can complain about the issues of the day. They can get involved in politics or uh, you know, what's happening at work. They can win accolades. They can figure out ways to impress and gain importance. But it's all about striving in such a way to sort of stay ahead of death, to keep death out of our minds. But it says, the wealthy will disappear like a wildflower, wither away in the midst of their busy lives. Now, one thing's very clear on the Camino is that you don't double back. I only saw one person doubling back on the Camino and it was so disconcerting to everybody on the trail that they kept asking, are you okay? Are you okay? Because doubling back is dangerous because you lose your way. You don't know where the arrows are leading. Doubling back means you put more wear and tear on your legs and on your body. Doubling back usually is a sign that you're lost or that you lost something really important. Doubling also means that you're confused or tired and you're turned around. See, on the Camino, the way is clear. The goal is the cathedral towards Santiago de Compostela. You don't double back. There is no safety net. So those of limited means tend not to double back because their daily existence is about facing or trying to elude death. They don't have the luxury of doubling back, but we who are rich tend to double back and use our wealth as our safety net to shield us from trials and tribulations because we like to avoid them. If we have enough stuff or keep ourselves busy enough or, or sort of work on the, you know, striving, we can sort of pretend trials and tribulations don't exist, and it keeps death out of our view. But James' warning is that the rich will be humbled because our riches help us avoid the very thing that God is going to use to shape us, to mature us, to make us complete. So we need to take pride in Humility. Now, humility is recognizing that we tend to use wealth to avoid God's work in us. Humility is recognizing that we use our wealth for our own gain. Humility is remembering that our wealth actually doesn't make us more important than others, doesn't give us a special standing, preferential treatment. It doesn't even keep us immune from death. Humility is seeing that filling up our lives with our busy schedules or trying to seek approval from others or trying to impress and gain importance only matters to the world. It doesn't matter to God. So if you do find yourself in limited means, I think God has a special word there. And that special word is that he says, I am lifting you up. Look at me, I am looking at you. You are loved and you are important. But if you find yourself in the other category, I think our call is to live in this humility. And it's like God says, choose me. I know you have a busy schedule. I know you're striving. I know you're trying to better yourself and your kids. And it's, it, it's, it seems like it's a good thing, but I get edged out. Remember, death will still come, and that stuff won't matter then. So love me first. Jesus, your presence sustains me. Say it with me. Jesus, your presence sustains me. So my question this morning is, what's sustaining you? What are you doubling back on? Now, I had been practicing Jesus, your presence sustains me over and over and over, because with each step, I just kept practicing that and breathing that And I was fine, but when I tripped and I fell and smacked into that pavement, my first instinct was to double back. My first instinct was to get angry with God. Why didn't you protect me, God? I have the right shoes, I have the right gear, I have the right backpack, I packed it well, you told me to come, why didn't you protect me from this? I don't like trials. Even though I saw butterfly prayers and I heard God give me this way to walk, I doubled back to an old pattern, an old habit that has me immediately blaming God and getting angry at him. It's sort of my safety net. Anybody else here with me? Have you ever doubled back to your safety net of maybe your stuff or your abilities or your talents or a habit or behavior or something that worked for you and sort of detracted you from engaging with God? I think we all do it. Now, as soon as I got up from my fall, my friend came behind me and led me to a cafe where she got a towel and ice. And as I sat there crying in self-pity, you know, um, I noticed that there were three girls that were sitting um, at a table near me and they were eating their breakfast and they were probably late 20s, early 30s. And one of them looked up and she stood up and she came over to me and she started saying something in Spanish, which I sort of not really understood, but she wanted to touch me and push my eye and I was like, and then her friend said, oh, she's a nurse, she's a nurse. And I said, okay, you know, maybe I have a concussion, that's fine. Well. She looked at me and she said, ice and okay. Okay, that's great. Now, we still had to walk a couple more hours, so over the next couple of hours of steep terrain and watching my foot and and the slippery slopes, trying to breathe, Jesus, your presence sustains me. (laughs) Sort of huffing that out, I began to realize that God had already shown me how he was sustaining me. Now, first of all, my biggest fear on the Camino was twisting my ankle and hurting my knee. That didn't happen in the fall. He had already made sure that I made a connecting flight even though it was 45 minutes late. And he led me to a bus driver who took time out of his route to drive me to a place that wasn't on his route because I messed up and couldn't read the Spanish and didn't have the right bus stop and he made sure I got to the right place to go to Astorga. He had already been working. Now, that afternoon as I sat at our albergue, now albergues are the hostels, the places where you rent um, a bed for the night and you get a shower. Um, And many people have different distances, so you may walk 30 kilometers, you may walk 22 kilometers, it depends. And there's a bunch of different albergues, so you, you may not see the same people. But as I sat there, I looked up and here comes these three women. And they came over, and the one that was a nurse came right up to me and looked at me and wanted to touch my eye and checked it out. And her friend said, oh, she was so worried about you all day long. She kept talking about you because she's an ophthalmology nurse and knows everything about eyes and sockets. Really? In all of Spain, I happened to meet the one nurse that specializes in eyes. I don't think that that was a coincidence. I think that was a direct result of God saying, okay, how does it feel to double back? Because I've got you, right? It was a big lesson for me in God's provision. It's a big lesson for me in my realization that I do tend to double back to my stuff or to my abilities or to my old patterns or behaviors. this was, this was a sort of trial. Now, it might seem sort of minor, and while God didn't cause it, it was still a trial of temptation to double back to what I knew or what I believed about God or what I shouldn't be believing about God. And I was confronted by the fact that I believed somewhere along the line that I actually deserved immunity. Maybe I'm special. I don't know. Maybe that's what I think. I deserve immunity because, God, you told me to go. I think that's part of my sin nature. Now for some of us, doubling back means relying on our wealth as a safety net. For some of us, doubling back means believing a lie about who God is. For some of us, doubling back means believing a lie about ourselves. We're saying we are chosen, like this is who we are, right? So where are you doubling back when you're facing trials? Jesus, your presence sustains me. Say it with me. Jesus, your presence sustains me. Now, I have to admit, as one day I was walking and I was huffing and working really hard, Jesus, your presence sustains me. Jesus, your presence sustains me. Jesus, chocolate would sustain me right now too. And I was like, oops, sorry, Jesus. Didn't mean to replace you with chocolate. But right now, chocolate would sound really good. Not perfect, right? But sometimes that breathing pattern can help us just be present. Now James 1:12 says, "'Blessed is the man who patiently endures testing. "'When he has passed the test, "'he will receive the crown of life "'which God has promised to those who love him.'" Now, the only qualification to the crown of life is to love God by enduring, right? I don't think it's a competition. Like, we wanna make it a competition and get ahead of others. It's not about winning. I actually believe this crown is being formed in us throughout all of our trials, throughout our tribulations. It's being formed in us and will reach completion when we meet God. I think that's what staying present to God actually means, to endure with God at your side, knowing that it's him who is sustaining you through a trial, through a tribulation through a hardship, sustaining you with his life in your life. Now, imagine that the king of the universe has a crown for you, has a crown that's been forged just for you because you love him and you're enduring, and you're allowing yourself to be present with him through all things. The crown of life is the enjoyment of God's presence now and eternally. Rich or poor, we are called to endure, to remain present to God's word, to his voice, to his direction, knowing that even though death is inevitable, God gives us the victory. And so we can live a life knowing we have victory in the end. Jesus, your presence sustains me. So you don't have to walk the Camino to practice God's presence. Uh, in fact, if you got up this morning and you are here or you're online, you are walking with God. You are walking your own Camino. Everyone's Camino looks different because we all face different routes in our lives, different trials, different tribulations, hills, steep descents in Spain, in Rhode Island, in the U.S. Walking with God daily is your Camino. So I want to leave you with this. Jesus, your presence sustains me. So Jesus, we have to ask the question, if you're starting to do that walk and you're praying this through, who are you relying on? Jesus, who are you reliant? Who am I relying? Who are you relying on? And lots of times we'll quickly say, oh, it's Jesus, right? But be aware of what you double back to that may give you a clue of what you're really relying on. Jesus, your, whose kingdom are you building? Is it your kingdom or Jesus, your kingdom? How are we aware of the things that we're building around us? So what are we relying on? What are we building? Jesus, your presence. And how are we just satisfied with Jesus? Jesus's presence, are we satisfied? Look around, take an inventory this week and say, what am I being satisfied with? What am I doubling back to and what am I being satisfied with? Is it Jesus and his presence or is it something else? So even just walking through Jesus, your presence is a reminder to constantly ask yourself, what am I doubling back to? What am I being satisfied with? And then sustains me. Jesus, your presence sustains me. Do we believe that God is creating the spiritual reality of joy out of the trials that we're facing, out of the tribulations, out of our patterns and our habits? Um, that when we resist temptation, He is building in us an enduring eternal life and nothing can rob us from it. Do we believe that? Do we believe that there's life in God, in his word, and in his family that he's given us as a church? Do we believe that? I think all we're supposed to be doing is just remaining present to him. He will sustain us in his presence to keep walking forward and following those arrows that he gives us along the way. There are many times in my pilgrimage that I did think, what am I doing? How did I get myself into this mess? Should I keep going forward? I need a day off, all those things, right? With every blister and bump and everything, I was like, oh. But that prayer, Jesus, your presence sustains me, kept driving me forward because I knew God was with me. Now, maybe God will give you another prayer I don't know, but I'd love to challenge you this week. As you continue to write out your cards, as you write out your verses, practice. Practice getting up and walking to the bathroom in the morning, Jesus, your presence sustains me. Practice when something starts to come at you that feels a little difficult, breathe, Jesus, your presence sustains me. Do it a couple times and see where your focus is. When you take a walk, when you do anything, Jesus, your presence sustains me and begin to walk that throughout your life and see how I believe it will change you. It reminds us that God loves us and he has promised a crown of life to us, a crown that's for you and for me. So buen camino.